Hey everyone, Dave Hagen here. What's better, New Year's resolutions or goals? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here's your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast this week. We're here in beautiful downtown Van Nuys looking to do something that's interesting and entertaining. With me today, Brian Reed. Welcome, Brian. Good morning, David. How art thou? Good, good. Very good. (laughs) Brian took last week off and he's back and he's feisty. So I'm looking forward to what he's got to say. Last week, we talked about what would be on your tombstone. We talked about how you would want to be remembered. We talked about the three or five things that you wanted to be remembered by. Thomas Jefferson had three, only three things he wanted written on his tombstone. One, that he was the author of the Declaration of Independence. Two, he was the author of the Statute of Virginia for Religious Freedom. And three, he was the father of the University of Virginia. Now, he did a bunch of other things. He did a ton of other things. Goodness, he was president of the United States. He was the U.S. minister to France. The size of the country doubled when he was president. He pulled off the Louisiana Purchase. He signed the act prohibiting the importation of slaves. So he signed the act that was the first step, perhaps, to leading to the complete abolition of slavery. His act dealt with importing slaves, and I didn't know that. Now, before we give him too much credit, he also owned slaves throughout his entire life. So um, he was no Abraham Lincoln in that regard. But it's interesting that he signed an act that maybe was the first step towards uh, doing what needed to be done. He also invented the dumbwaiter. You're going, what? He's going, yeah, I've had a dumbwaiter uh, before. No, a dumbwaiter is the device that goes up and down on a rope between upper and lower um, story on a, on a house. The dumbwaiter. So I didn't know that he did all those things. And, of course, he did a ton of other things as well. But the three things, he only wanted three things on his tombstone. Very interesting. The three things that motivated him and how he wanted to be remembered were the three things on his tombstone. What would be yours? Now, last week we talked about conceptualizing two tombstones, one being what people would say if you passed away now, the second being what you hope people would say about you when you pass away in the future. Notice I didn't say if you pass away. I said when you pass away in the future, hopefully in the distant future. I encouraged our listeners to go away to a quiet place and write down three to five things that you would see on each of those tombstones. Hopefully you got the opportunity to do that this past week. It's nothing complicated, and it's nothing that should take a lot of time, maybe only 10 to 15 minutes of simple reflection. But did you do it? If so, we can use those thoughts as we talk about goals this week. If not, don't worry. Don't beat yourself up. We can still talk about goals this week. However, before you think about any goals after this podcast, you really should go through the tombstone exercise first. Now, it seems to me that getting from the current tombstone to the ultimate tombstone requires setting goals, not New Year's resolutions, 
but goals. Let's talk about that for a little while. I think that we can talk about setting goals in terms of long-term goals and yearly goals. Long-term goals go over the course of many years. They'll be bigger goals. They'll represent significant achievements in getting you to that final tombstone. Some examples might be obtaining financial independence, owning a home, not having to work five days a week, being a better parent, being a better kid, and yes, getting into shape. Now, these big goals should be an inspiration to you. They should come from your soul. They should be what you think about from time to time during the week. For example, I think one of Steve Jobs' big goals was to put a dent in the universe. You heard him talk about this many times. He'd get so excited about it. I remember when he was trying to get the president of, I think it was Coca-Cola, to come work for him, and they're sitting at a bench out in the park, and the guy was starting to pull back and not come to Apple. And he says to the guy, so do you want to sell sugar water, or do you want to put a dent in the universe? (laughs) And the guy came to work for Apple. Ultimately, it didn't work out for them, as, as many of you know, but Steve Jobs was pretty persuasive in terms of uh, getting people on board to his vision of things that uh, he wanted to do. Man, he'd get excited about it. He wanted to do something significant that changed the course of society. And I think you could argue that he probably succeeded in that goal, even though his life was so tragically cut short. Now, some of these goals may not even relate to your ultimate tombstone. It may be that you want to set a goal just because it's exciting to you. For example, you might have a goal that you want to be healthy or you want to be entertained. I mean, these are certainly legitimate and good goals, probably taken in context with others, but certainly goals that someone could pursue. You know, let me give you an example. I heard about a guy that worked very hard at his job over a whole bunch of years, saved money, was very diligent, raised his family, built a nice house, did well. He was successful and thoughtful. Now that he's retired, one of his goals is to be entertained. He goes through the year thinking about the things that he wants to do to enjoy high-quality entertainment. Now, of course, he does this in the context of other goals. However, I don't think I've ever heard of someone who was this deliberate about a goal to be entertained. Maybe we all could or should set goals with deal with the enjoyment of life. Hmm. Another interesting long-term goal is staying healthy. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean losing weight, although that could be a component. Rather, it probably involves eating correctly, getting some exercise, taking care of your body and your mind. Remember last week we talked about uh, the number one goal that people set is going on a diet. Maybe the more appropriate long-term goal is to strive to be healthy. But this is something that people think about a lot. And some of the goals you might set are more short-term on a yearly basis. These goals would allow you to achieve in shorter chunks how you're going to get to your long-term goal. These are really what people call New Year's resolutions. They shouldn't be New Year's resolutions that we make up. They should be short-term goals that tie into the long-term goals, that tie into the tombstone statements, or really kind of a mission statement. But the short-term goals because they come from a tombstone statement and the resulting long-term goals will be more based upon who you are and what you want to be. They'll come from the essence of you. As a result, they're more likely to inspire you. You're more likely to follow them 
and you're more likely to be successful. Now, remember last week we said that only 8% of the people that set New Year's resolutions follow them and that most people have dropped off the map uh, within the month of January. It's because they are New Year's resolutions. Goals, which come from your core values and excite and inspire you, are much more likely to be achieved because they're you. They're an extension of you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Mechanically, how do, you, how do you do this? Well, I got a couple of ideas. First, your goal should be pretty specific. This is especially true for your short-term goals. Not only should they be fairly specific, but they should be fairly simple. Your goals for the year should be something that you could almost recite off the top of your head. An example of a specific goal might be having 10000 in savings at the end of the year. Another example of a specific goal might be, in the general health theme, working out in some fashion at least four days a week. My goal for years in this vein has been to try and sweat at least five times every week. That is, some type of workout, whether it's running or swimming or hiking or just having some fun five times a week. Now, the goal's vague in that it doesn't specify any particular form of exercise, but it's very specific when talking about the number of times per week that I want to do this. Second, the goal should be measurable. If you set out a specific goal, chances are there's some way to measure it. There's an easy way to measure how many times a week I sweat. If the goal is just to be in better health, that's, that's pretty hard to measure and you can get pretty lost and get off track. Third, the goal should be realistic or attainable. Now, I remember one year I set up a goal to run in the L.A. Marathon. (laughs) Brian, Brian. Now, that's a run of more than 26 miles. Now, I joined a club that would take beginners like me through a program and get us ready for the race. And frankly, when all the training is set out of a period of two or three months, it looked pretty easy. The training itself turned out to be pretty easy. But what I didn't take into account was the time that was necessary to do the training. I was working full-time, five days a week, and the training program required better than a half a day on Saturday and Sunday. And after two to three weeks, it rapidly occurred to me that I didn't have this type of available time. And at this time in my life, it really wasn't a goal that was realistic or attainable for me. Another goal that I thought about was being able to slam dunk a basketball. Now, the women out there won't understand that, just never will. But I'll bet you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I had dreams about being able to slam dunk a basketball. Now, you should know that I'm 5'11 on a good day and have a body built more like a linebacker. Slam dunking a basketball probably wasn't in my future. But this is something that I was actually thinking about at a point in time in my life. Now, this was driven home to me some years ago when I was working out with a trainer. I offered him a very nice performance bonus if he was able to get me to the point where I could slam dunk. And when I mentioned it, he took one look at me up and down and he says, well, why don't we think about some other or more attainable goals I can help you with? (laughs) He made the point in the nicest possible way, but he also made the point that it was clearly not realistic or attainable. Fourth, your goal should be rewarding. They should be the kind of goals that turn you on. They should be the kind of goals that you get excited about getting out of bed in the morning. Now, if your goal is to do a thousand sit-ups a day, it's hard to look forward to getting out of bed and doing that. 
But if your goal is something that you really love or moving you towards something that you really love or something that you really want to be, it'll get you out of bed. Fifth, you should write your goals down. Writing them down for some reason makes them more real. I've heard people say that written goals tend to be accomplished more often, that it's almost magic how it happens. I've seen that happen in my own life. When I write stuff down, it seems to be more real and it seems to get done. Now, even though you should be able to recite your goals off the top of your head, writing them down gives you something very specific to look back on and reflect on. Remember last week I talked about the business mogul uh, Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Atlantic and one of the richest men in the world, now on the board at uh, Tesla. He's been interviewed before on his success and he said over and over again that one of the things that he does periodically to be successful is to write down his goals. Sixth, you should periodically review your goals. Every three or six months is probably a good thing to do. It takes you mentally, maybe even emotionally, back to the place where you had thought about your tombstone statement and set both long-term and short-term goals. It's good to bring yourself back to that place from time to time. Now, it's okay if you get off course. It's going to happen. But don't abandon the goal just because you've gotten off course. So many people get off diets, or as I like to call them, eating plans, because they get off it a few days after they set the course, and then they just decide to abandon the whole thing. They say, well, I fell off the wagon, so I'll do that next year. By the end of January, they're back to their regular old eating habits, and they're going to waste a whole nother year not following through towards that goal. Now, if you fall off the wagon, just jump back on. It's okay. Like I said, it's going to happen. Now, on the other hand, if you get off course and come to realize that the goal was not specific, simple, measurable, realistic and attainable or rewarding, maybe it's time to think about making a mid-course correction. That's okay too. We'll talk about that later in the year. The important thing is that you make a conscious decision to alter or maybe abandon that particular goal altogether. Sometimes you're just not going to be able to accomplish that goal. This was the case when I decided to try and run in the LA Marathon. But don't just let it go. Make a conscious decision to either alter it or change it. Now, you also want to set a reward for yourself if you attain the goal. Simply attaining the goal should be enough for a truly well-thought-out goal. However, you might want to write down a particular reward if you obtain a specific goal. For example, you may decide to take a weekend away skiing or go on a cruise if you save a certain amount of money by a certain date during the year. Now, don't wipe out the entire savings account, but if you cut a small piece off the top and still meet your goal after that, reward yourself. It's just a good way to ensure success. We're all motivated by rewards. So think about that. Now, I've tried to keep this exercise as simple as possible. Certainly, there are many more complicated ways to go through goal-setting exercises. However, there's so much material out there that I think it gets too complicated and you get away from some of these core values, some of these core ways to get this done. Also, the task itself becomes so daunting that many people don't even complete or, or even begin, in some cases, the path. 
So go off alone. Go to a park. Go to a restaurant by yourself where nobody knows you. Go lock yourself in a closet. Think about your tombstone statements and write out your long-term goals to get there. Then write out your goals for this year. Take a look at what you have and then see if they meet the criteria that we've discussed. Then stop, put them aside, and come back to them in a few days to see if they really work for you after some reflection. Then put them in a safe place so you could look at them throughout the year. You're going to keep them in mind. Consider the elevator exercise that we've talked about to keep them at the top of your consciousness, at the top of your mind. Think about the elevator exercise, if you will. That is, if you're in an elevator and someone comes in and says, Hey, Dave, what are your goals this year? I'd be able to spit those out in two, three minutes before the doors open again. That way you keep them at the top of your mind throughout the whole year. Now, you're going to want to keep them in writing, and they're great to go back to, and that's really important. But you need to have these at the top of your mind so that you are internalizing these and moving towards these. Well, that's goal setting. Something to think about. So, Brian, did you have any interesting goals this year? It's, uh, it's more of a philosophy, okay. I think. Um, I mean, the new year is kind of the time to examine all that <laughs> examine stuff. Examine all of that stuff. Although, you know, but technically you can start start new, start over anytime. Yeah. But you turn the page anytime the during page the year. Anytime you want, you can start up whenever you want. But it um, seems at the beginning of the year, everyone's everyone's talking everyone's about it. About everyone's it. thinking about it. They got the mojo that there's positive momentum. So, all now, right, now I'm. I'm back to the question. My uh, <laughs> Did you have any interesting goals? My goal this year is, or my mantra, I guess you can say, is going to be the word just grow. Okay. Grow. Growth. Um, in whatever that's going to mean, keep that word, kind of like you said, on the forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. And every day, how am I growing? And as long as there's progress um, and keeping that focus... I'm excited to see what the end of the year is going to look like. Very cool. Keeps you going. Very cool. I like that. I like that. Grow, grow, grow. Now, what about uh, you, senor? What's on your mind? <laughs> oh, me? I'm, you know, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. <laughs> You're just going to go right back to everybody else. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the same old New Year's <laughs> resolution. I want to lose 15 pounds. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm uh, getting dressed this morning and I'm going, yeah, I got to lose 15 pounds. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Um, yeah, I do have a, a goal this year, but only, only in the context do I want to talk about it, in the context of the tombstone statement. One statement that I would like to have on my tombstone is that I made a difference in people's lives. And my long-term goal was to help people with their financial issues. And I think that practicing law these years certainly accomplished that. I sat down with thousands of people over the course of a career, and now I want something a little bigger, something a little larger, and I want to try and do something that affects more people. And one of the ways to accomplish this goal is, obviously, the Financial Wellness Podcast. And last year, we met our goal that we had set. We put together a podcast, we came up with the ideas, um, we got regular, interesting, valuable information out there. At least I hope so. 
Uh, we tried to figure out how to record a show. Or we had to figure it out. We had to figure out how to <laughs> upload it and get on the Remember that? I mean, it, it's pretty simple, actually, but figuring it out certainly isn't simple. We did all that. We accomplished all that. And we even had an opportunity to uh, expand our listenership a little bit. But the goal this year is going to focus on much larger, much broader, hopefully more meaningful distribution. So everyone out there, stay tuned. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, Brian's got one for us, something about buying a house. Brian, what up? We've got, uh, this is from Tom and Cindy, and they're writing in, Hi, Dave. Um, There's a home my wife and I would really love to purchase, but to do it, we'd have to use our emergency, emergency fund, all of it. Um, it's a dilemma for us. Any advice, it seems to be a good investment, but it also feels risky. Thanks, Tom and Cindy. Mm, Tom and Cindy, simple answer. No, wouldn't do it. You know, if you look at the five steps that we put together, the, the fourth one was, you know, create an emergency fund, and that's hard to do. Uh, you need three to six months at least, and it'd probably take a year, year and a half to to put that back together. And during that period of time, you wouldn't have your emergency fund, and if something came up, um, you'd be stuck. Also, when you just get into a house, you, you're going to need some more money to, to fix up things or to paint things or, you know, to get some furniture or to do all the things that you want to do. And um, that's going to take some money and you're not going to have any money at all. So uh, at first blush, I think the answer is, I don't know, pretty simple. N- no. Now, that being said, it sounds like you got a place picked out and you're starting to visualize what you're going to be in, you know, what it would be like to be in that house. And um, so, I mean, we could look at it a little bit deeper, I suppose. If you or you and your wife both have jobs and you've been at the job for a long period of time um, and you feel pretty secure in that job, now maybe the risk is going to be a little less. Maybe you think about it a little bit more. Um, or if you've you know got family that you, you think you could tap or friends that you think you could go to for a loan if you had to. I mean, I suppose now maybe that's a little bit more... Um, um, something that, that you might think about doing, but just on the face of it, no, I mean, I really wouldn't. It should be that that, that emergency fund is almost uh, inviolate. Um, that's going to keep you, you know, out of a jam. It's going to keep you out of trouble. Um, I mean, there's so many people in the United States that couldn't make it without the next paycheck. I, I saw a survey a couple of years ago. They said that, you know, a very big percentage of people in the United States couldn't even make a $400 unexpected um, car bill. Um, I think we said that 
uh, you know, 26%, something like that, of the people that were on Social Security were using that as their sole source of support. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are just living paycheck to paycheck, just making it without the reserve fund. And, and the fact that you two have a reserve fund, I think, is phenomenal. Let's not, let's not overlook that phenomenal victory that you've got there in accomplishing that step. But would you sacrifice that for a house? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would. Brian, what do you think? I like the idea of, you know, if they're going to try and do this, um, going to family or friends first and go, look, here's the situation. If we do this, can you back us up? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a hard conversation to have, I think, with someone. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're not willing to have that conversation, then it's not the right, not the right house for you. I like that. Good point. You know, you would fight for it. You would go talk to someone ahead of time and go, look, we're going to do this, but if, you know, you, you have her back yeah. just in case something bad happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, and at the same time, as long as they, you know, what if they got the house and they were like, look, we're not doing any repairs. We're leaving it exactly as it is right now. And we're going to, we, we got it. That's what we want. We right. Wanted, we wanted the house. Right. Now we're going to wait a couple of years to finish all the remodeling and stuff. And first thing first is going to be get, get the savings account back up again. No, I get that. Or, you know, maybe another thing is if uh, you got a couple cars and they're both paid for and you run into a jam, you could liquidate one of the cars and one of you could, you know, drive a bike or something if, if that happened. Or one of you could drive one of those new... What are those things you see all over the <laughs> yeah, street scooter. down there in Venice? Those little <laughs> motorized scooter things, or you know, but it's also like you said, you know, if they're both mm. working and they both have been at their job for eight years or something, and they're not going anywhere, and the companies aren't going anywhere, and they've got the backup. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards maybe. I'm a solid maybe. You're you're, you're more you're leaning towards a no with a mm, I might consider it. I'm, I'm leaning going. towards the big no. I'm you I'm are. being the conservative guy. Um you know another thing to consider guys is you know the the strength of your relationship. Um you know I knew I knew a couple that uh bought a house, dialed it all in and as soon as it was all ready to go, one of them said, "Eh, this isn't working for me anymore." And then they had to liquidate the whole dang Ouch. thing. And, um, you know, you can never know what's around the corner with your, with your life partner. But, uh, you know, you might think about that a little bit. And that might have, you know, an, another factor, perhaps, in terms of whether you would take that risk. Um, but these are all the things, I think, you know, that you want to look at, you know. Can you put off making those repairs, you know, or making those improvements? I remember when we, we bought our first house, it was like... Um, we went to the, the place to do some landscaping and they said, well, it's a six week wait to have a designer out to your house. And I said, oh, well, that, that just won't work. This will be done in six weeks. We got to move on this. And of course it didn't happen <laughs> for a couple of years, but you know, when you move, move into a place, there's all these things that you want to do. And, and, um, it's kind of hard to wait. And of course the worst thing that you could do would be to borrow money for that, especially without an emergency fund. Um, you know, yeah, I'm on your side. Don't do it. It's too early. You're too early yet. I mean, I hate to say that because, uh, you know, you're looking at that house and you visualize yourself in that house. And, um, um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. Hey guys, I don't think that's the answer that you wanted, but, uh, maybe that's the answer that you needed to hear. Tough love. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. And, um, send us an email. Tell us how it turns out.
Wow. That's all the time that we have here. Turn in uh, next week. We're going to talk uh, about, we're going to spend the whole time talking actually about an, an email that we just got um, from a fella named Jeff. It's an opportunity to do a complete uh, makeover. So check it out next week. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.